Welcome to Good News, being brought to you by Listening for Clues. We are Lauren Welch and John Shematek, deacons in the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. We sure are. And today we have a special guest, the Reverend Henrietta Wiley. Henrietta is rector of Trinity Episcopal Church in Towson, Maryland. She is brilliant, which we all agree with, <laughs> funny, meaning she has a great sense of humor. I hope that's what funny means here. Yes. Also in your bio, Henrietta, you said you were fat, mm. pink-haired, which I do see, middle-aged, you are a lesbian priest with the world's best spouse, whom we Indeed. also love, Mary, and two madcap cats who may make an appearance at any point during this uh, uh, presentation. Well, welcome, Retta. It's so good to have you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. It's I love you both, and I never get to see you enough, so this is a pleasure. Really. I know. Same here. That's why we are so delighted to have you with us today, Retta. So to begin with, tell us how you at, at Trinity are integrating the, the full community around you? Well, when I, when I arrived, uh, we had two or three different groups who were using our space. Now, I arrived nine months before the pandemic set in. And we had an AA group, and they were great. And we had a group that does support for families of folks with autism. And we had an art class and they were great. And all of these groups, Trinity considered on some level, although there was not a lot of integration, thought of them as ministry partners. And when I arrived, I spoke with the vestry and thought what we really need to do for Trinity is to throw our doors open more and to really seek out ministry partners who uh, many of whom do rent our space, but who are more importantly representing what I would consider to be aspects of the gospel. And this is important because we know that life has changed in the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years in terms of church life. And most people are not, are just not coming on Sunday. So how are we going to get the gospel out? if the only way we're doing it is on Sunday morning. So the best way to do it, we figured, is to find partners who can make use of our space. And so now we're, now we're hopping. We're hopping pretty much every day. Now we already had our preschool, which is wonderful and is now growing in the aftermath of the pandemic. Our surprise shop, which is our thrift and consignment shop, has always been hopping but it's growing leaps and bounds. And now we have, we have a Tai Chi class. For a while, we had a theater group who was working out of our church. That was not a great fit, but we tried that. We have a candy maker who comes once or twice a week to, to make toffee. And as far as I'm concerned, there's no better news than chocolate and toffee. <laughs> evidence, evidence that God loves us, right? Right? Sure. of these things. And I think perhaps the partnership I'm most excited and proud of is the partnership we've formed with Unity Fellowship Church 
originally of Columbia, Maryland, but they've moved up to us. Unity Fellowship Church is a now 40-year-old church movement that was started in Los Angeles by, upon his passing, the Archbishop Carl Bean, who was an activist in LGBTQ rights in Los Angeles, and especially for African Americans. And he was very active in AIDS activism and the cross-section of, of LGBTQ plus African American and people with AIDS civil rights. He was very involved in that. And so he formed Unity Fellowship Church because so many of the people around him had been rejected by their church communities and their families even. So he created this movement. It's not just a church, but a movement. And there was already a, a, a chapter, a, a church, a congregation in Baltimore. They're all over the they're all over the country. They're in Newark, they're in New York, they're in Atlanta, they're in North Carolina, Charlotte, I think, everywhere, all over the place. And this particular group uh, that was in Columbia called me up, really cold called me, left a message because they had been asked to leave a number of places where they were meeting. Their rec, they, they were meeting at a rec center and I don't know why the rec center wanted them to leave, but the rec center wanted them to leave. And it was one church that thought they would be okay with them being LGBTQ and then later decided they were not okay with that. And one group which apparently became uncomfortable with them being both African-American and LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, I am new at Trinity and thinking this is a historically white parish with some pretty serious historically white supremacist in the 19th century, pretty serious white supremacist activity at the same time, as is often true in Episcopal churches, really strong with factions, I suppose, in the parish of really struggling for justice as best they could in the context of, of Towson. And so we have some African and African-American members, but we are a predominantly white parish. And I thought, how am I going to get people to learn how to listen to each other and love each other and grow in their understanding of justice when I'm the only queer person, well, well, me and my wife, are the only queer people who are here routinely every Sunday, and we have maybe five folks with darker skin. So then I get this call from Unity Fellowship Church, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, here, why don't you work with this? And so, so we created this beautiful partnership where Unity worships on Sunday after we do, but they use our space for all kinds of things and we're overlapping more and more and we do pulpit swaps and uh, looking forward to doing more uh, mission work together. And it's just this beautiful organic thing where we're, we're learning intentionally, but also unintentionally by simply sharing space. And that's the thing. 
So that's the goal that I have and my lay leadership has is to make Trinity what it once was, which is to say a center of the community, but to make it the center of the community in a new way, to make it the center of the community, not where people see power, because that's how what Trinity was for a long time. It was the power center of Towson. And then like all churches, we lost members for a variety of reasons. And so now we want, we want to be at the center of Trinity as a source of welcome, a source of uh, loving interaction, and a place where people encounter the gospel in action, regardless of whether they're going to come on Sunday. Yeah, wow. It's so exciting to hear how the gospel is actually spreading this way and is overcoming the stereotypic thinking and racism yes. and so many so many of the other evils uh, that we have. Okay. I mean, what I'm wondering about, Retta, is um, this kind of transformation. How was this initially uh, accepted or received when you came to bring this prophetic kind of message uh, to your folk at Trinity? I, I stand on the shoulders of giants. So for 40 years, 20 of those as rector, one of the, the, the great priests in our time of Trinity Church was Kingsley Smith, the Reverend Kingsley Smith. And Kingsley Smith was every bit as odd as I am, although he was neither fat nor gay nor pink haired. He was, he was brilliant and he just, he just passed away in, in December and I miss him every day, but he laid the groundwork as a person who came from all of the categories of power and learned over the course of his ministry how to love better and how to pursue justice more effectively. I was very lucky to have him as a mentor the first few years of my ministry at Trinity. And he would say to me, as he was getting older, he would say, you know, the same things over and over again, but they were the right things to say over and over again. And one of them was, Retta, you have to preach the gospel, but you get to preach the gospel. And he would say, you have to love everybody but you get to love everybody. So it was under his leadership that, that Trinity began to grow smaller, not because he wasn't a fine priest, not because he wasn't a powerful preacher or a leader, but because he was leading in a time of desegregation and he advocated desegregation. And there were a lot of people at Trinity who were not into that. And they began to leave. And then when we started ordaining women, he was very supportive. And, you know, to look at him and to listen to the tone of his voice, you would not think he would be particularly progressive. He was very progressive, conservative in many ways, but socially quite progressive and really doing everything he knew how to do at a time when a predominantly white churches were just not thinking about this stuff, doing everything he knew how to do 
to try and break us open. And so he really laid the groundwork. First of all, he chased away all the people who were really going to be difficult. But more importantly, he was so respected and so loved by his people, and he was there for so long that he was trusted by many, that he was really able to bring people along. And what that meant was that then later after he retired and other rectors came along, people were prepared for things like young people who decided to come out as trans and to discern a process that was appropriate for them to, to live a life that was consistent with their self-understanding. And so a parish that was in many ways still quite conservative, very lovingly walked with, with the young people in their church, two or three young people who set their feet on the path to live authentically. And people loved them through that. So when I came to Trinity, what I found was a community of people with whom I did not agree on everything, but with whom we agreed absolutely 100% um, agreed that our ministry was hospitality and welcome and making space for people to be themselves and to be loving with one another. Do we have room to grow? Of course we have room to grow. But that's where we were, was that there were, I came to a community with open hearts. So even though people may not be all on the same page about racial reconciliation or, or welcoming of LGBTQ people, and we're not all on the same page, we are absolutely all on the same page of loving one another. When I say that, I mean we don't have what I have experienced in my life, which is people who think they are being loving, but are in fact being quite condescending or exclusionary. My favorite experience that I have, but have never seen at Trinity, is people coming up to me and patting me on the hand to say they'll pray for me. And it's like, hmm, I'm glad that you're gonna pray for me, but I wonder, I wonder if you're doing this as an act of love or as as an act of rejection and and we don't have anything like that at trinity at all i i have only seen people welcomed in and i say that and i acknowledge also that we have a long way to go on all these things because like many mainstream parishes we are very family oriented and the classic nuclear family orientation and you can be as loving as you want to be and that's not necessarily going to feel like the right space for you if that's not the life you're going to live but if that is the case i hope that people are are not walking away because they feel like they're rejected but only that it's just not the right fit my hope now is that as we continue to work with unity, we will be finding ways to expand how our life is together and having our parish life 
be much more diverse so that people feel like there's a fit for them. I, I sound like I'm focusing on Sunday and to a large degree, I am focusing on Sunday because of course our mission as a church is to worship God. But our mission as a church is to worship God, not only on Sunday morning, but to proclaim the gospel and to share it with the world. I want people to feel like whatever is going on in their life, that there is something for them at Trinity that will help them um, connect with a sense of God's love, with a sense of community, welcome and acceptance, um, and also uh, an opportunity for service. We recently, I have, I have ADD. And so if you haven't already noticed, I skip around a bit. So my apologies, but we have, we have recently renewed, I'll say renewed our mission statement and our mission statement is a prayer. Loving God, we give you thanks that you have called Trinity church to be a caring Christ centered, diverse community empowered to worship, serve, and grow in faith. Grant us strength that we may become ever more welcoming and inclusive and encourage all people to love God and one another. And that is something that we need to be doing seven days a week. And we need to be doing it with people who identify as Christian and people who may never identify as Christian because the Holy Spirit reaches out to different people in different ways. And I don't wanna get in the Holy Spirit's way. I just wanna open the gates, right? I just wanna open the gates. Yeah. So, so that's the goal. I'm making it all sound perfect. It is not perfect, but, it, but we're on the road. Yeah. It certainly sounds like you are, Retta, and it sounds like you are empowering uh, Trinity to become the Christian church of love that we proclaim that we are and right. that we are called to be. So while you have been doing this, what, what has surprised you? So one of the struggles and joys that we have had, and this is a place where I feel like maybe we have failed, but in our failure, thank God we have forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ. As, as Towson becomes increasingly urban, we have more and more folks who are homeless, who are unhoused, who are displaced. And we have found that we can create relationships with these people, mostly. And we have had times when we have successfully welcomed, and, and not, just, not just in a, our door is open way, but um, in a willingness to be in relationship with folks who are struggling who are struggling with mental illness, who are struggling with addiction, and of course, struggling with homelessness. So we've had these beautiful relationships. Some of these folks, they worship with us, 
we support them as as we're able not in a big way because we're not really equipped for that but we but we support them as we are able and and when they can some of these folks actually make a point of trying to give to the church that surprised me that surprised me i'm not sure why because i think we all know that poor people are more generous than rich people but they've been very generous with themselves and willing to be vulnerable with me and with other people in the parish. Unfortunately, when you're dealing with folks who struggle with addiction, there can be times when safety issues come up. And it has been humbling for me, humbling, for me, who just wants to love everybody all the time, everywhere, to to realize that I that I have to draw boundaries sometimes for the sake, particularly for the children of the preschool. I find myself struggling with how to stay true to the gospel in a system that is not really gospel oriented. What I mean is that we haven't come up with something better and we've got a lot going on at Trinity. So do I now encourage Trinity to get involved in civic, uh, civic engagement around criminal justice? We've got a lot of stuff going on and we're actually a pretty small parish. So, you, you know, it, this is not reasonable, but I also feel like now that something has come to my attention, we have an obligation as the church that loves people to figure out how we can adequately do that in a world that is not interested in helping us do that. Hmm. Uh, having known you uh, for a number of years and having uh, uh, literally experienced um, very profound and deep joy, particularly when we were in our cathedral years, at the yes. Cathedral of the Incarnation, when we were at the altar together. You, you to me, have always been uh, just wrapped in joy and the personification of joy. And I'm just wondering if you have a, a word to say about to uh, those of us like me, not Lauren so much, but me, who tend to take myself so seriously and want to know what, do you have a secret about that? How do we, yeah. All right, so this shocks me to hear, John, because as I recall, we needed to be separated at the <laughs> cathedral because we made each other laugh so much. That's my memory. Maybe I made that up. No, you're right, so. you're right. It's true. <laughs> I, I remembered. So I, I consider joy to be a gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and it is rooted to me in a sense, an unshakable sense of God's love, an unshakable sense of God's love. And that as Kingsley said, we have to love people, but we get to love people. And when we do it well, it's awesome. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. And, and so it springs from a sense of being loved and from a sense of gratitude a habit of gratitude maybe, which is which may be a little bit trite at this point, but 
when you realize how precious and wonderful everything is around you, even when things are pretty crummy, there's always something beautiful. There's always someone who says good morning to you at the right time. But most importantly, there is always Jesus. It is much, much easier for me to access that joy. I would say it's also connected to my vocation, my sense of vocation, which is, um, as uh, some of you may know, um, I, I started out as an academic and my academic field of study was the history and literature of the Hebrew Bible. And I loved that and I continue to love that, but I felt hobbled. Um, and what I mean by that is that I was hopping around on one leg and I was missing a leg and I didn't know what it was and it was sacrament. It was, and once I started practicing my priestly ministry, it opened a floodgate of joy for me because worship is so real and powerful for me. Our forms, which can be stodgy, but don't have to be, our forms for me are exquisite channels of glory and love and power and presence of God. And so it makes it much easier for me to access joy, which I think we all have the capacity for, but remembering how loved we are, being grateful for that, and allowing ourselves the vulnerability. Joy is a very vulnerable emotion, actually. So allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to experience joy is tremendously rewarding. And what's nice about that sense of confidence in God's love is that in being vulnerable, if someone tries to pop our balloon, we can still say, you know what, that's you, that's not me. Wow, yeah. thank you. I love that message. So Reddit people may become be, becoming curious interested in learning more about getting to know Trinity Episcopal Church in Towson or to get in contact with you to chit chat for some reason or another, uh, mm -hmm. how can they do that? Well, we have a website and that is www.trinitychurchtowson.org. Okay, I yes. can be reached personally at hlwiley at trinitychurchtowson. Org. But I'd also like to plug, if I may, one of our growing ministries, which is our Wednesday Night Live evening prayer, which I do with my wife, Mary. It, of, it often involves funny hats. It began in the pandemic and it took off the night we did pirate evening prayer. I encourage you to seek out pirate evening prayer or beatnik evening prayer or Star Wars evening prayer or Viking evening prayer. We, we don't get quite that into it anymore. But it's a good time. It's funny. And that is on YouTube and our YouTube channel, which is Trinity Episcopal Church on YouTube. So I encourage people to check that out because it's fun and it's prayer. We do evening yeah. prayer together and we do intercessory prayer and we have a good time. So those links will be in our show notes. So anyone who wants to access uh, Trinity, Retta, 
or the special uh, Wednesday evening fun evening prayer service, you'll be able to do that. Good. And Retta, before we go, are there any other words of wisdom that you would like to share with us? God loves every single one of us, including whoever you are out there all the time. And the grace of Jesus Christ is available to you out there all the time, everywhere that you are. Welcome it. And whether, whether you experience it on Sunday or any other time, welcome it and let yourself be changed by it. Thank you, Retta. Thank you. You're, you are a gift to the church and a gift to the world, and we appreciate your being with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. And John and I want to thank our viewers and listeners today. We cannot do this without your participation. Please take a moment and comment, like, and share on all your social media platforms. This will help us spread the good news to even more people. Again, thank you for the gift of your time with us today. Until next time, peace and blessings. Good news is being brought to you by Listening for Clues. You can find us on our website, listeningforclues.com, our YouTube channel, our Vimeo channel, and just about every podcast platform that there is. Hope to see you soon.